0: show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve him and their neighbor, for whom the words of the creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. Well, every four years, um, I I experience a little bit of of pre-election anxiety uh, and uh This, I think, is part of my upbringing. I grew up in a fairly politically active home. And so there are certain things that have been embedded in my psyche. uh, And I just kind of pace the floor back and forth in these days leading up to an election. But it's also, tomorrow, the solemnity of all saints. And so here we have a a choice before us. Which kingdom are we going to put our, our trust in? That doesn't mean that we we ignore the other, but it means that we can only really have one home. We have one citizenship, and uh, and then we are sojourners uh, at the other, right? We're visitors at the other. So um, here is uh, something that I've been wrestling with a little bit, and I wrestle with this every four years. What is the proper amount of, of anxiety to feel about an election? And the answer... Uh, is none. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything make your requests known to God, right? In everything with uh, with prayer and, and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There, There's no real permission that we've been granted by God or by Scripture to have anxiety about the affairs of this life, to the point that in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, "'Consider the lilies of the field. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them.'" So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. All these other concerns are gonna take care of themselves. And so I have to do a little bit of self-examination when I begin to feel the anxiety immediately approaching an election. And let's ask the question, why, why am I anxious? Well, I'm anxious because there's a lot at stake. Okay, well, why is there a lot at stake? Well, here are the issues that my faith informs me are important. And I can look at these two candidates and I can say, "Mm, this one seems to me to be better based on what I understand about my faith, based on these things that have been laid down for us, based on the forming of my conscience. Okay, but why are you anxious? What happens if the other person, well, if the other person gets in, um, they're gonna do these things that might be okay, but then they're gonna do all these other things that are bad. Okay, but why are you anxious? And we have to get down to the place where we acknowledge to ourselves, where I acknowledge to myself anyway, that um, I'm anxious because I have transferred the 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 rule and the reign of Christ uh, On to another person. I am expecting this other person, this human being, this worldly power, to effect the change that belongs properly to Christ, to bring uh, relief and salvation in in some sense to the nation. And this is something that cannot be. No matter what happens, no matter who we have as our leader, uh, we are still sojourners in this world. Now, this does not mean, and I'm not in any way saying that we should not be involved in politics because insofar as we are members of this society and have been granted the right to vote, we ought to go out and vote. We ought to do what we see would bring about the best change uh, for the sake of our society. And yet, at the same time, as we do that, as we go and we cast our ballot, then we leave it. We leave uh, our hopes and our uh, and our Uh, desires firmly in the grasp of the Almighty. And do not cede that over to any worldly power. Don't abdicate that, uh, that right that we have as members of the kingdom of God into something that is passing away. Because everything in this world is passing away. And I want you to have a little bit of a thought experiment. Um, Spend some time today thinking about what happens if your preferred candidate wins. Okay, I I know that you think that you have, but I want you to take a little bit more time and as part of this forming of your conscience, ask what are the things that we have looked at in this candidate and dismissed because we are more worried about other things. Uh, And so we've dismissed the bad things about our candidate. What happens when your candidate wins? Like we always get really worried what happens if our candidate loses. What happens to those principles that that God has asked of us as members of his body uh, when our candidate that we prefer wins and they enact not only the things that we, we want them to, but they also enact the other things that are going to come along with them that are in opposition to the kingdom of God? Because this is the truth. Neither political party encompasses the fullness of faith. Neither one of them is a manifestation of the kingdom of heaven on earth. That belongs to the church. And the church expresses this in not, not in, uh, in temporal ways, but in spiritual ways. And yet Christ is king, not merely in temporal ways. You know, uh, we often use that term, well, God is still on his throne And we use that after our candidate has lost and we might feel a little bit worried about the future, almost as if, well, Jesus is our backup plan, right? But Jesus is not uh, uh, really satisfied being our backup plan. He is the king of the universe uh, whose rule and reign extends to all corners of this world and beyond, And so all that hope that we have placed in our political leaders and in our political structure and even in the way of governance in our country, all of these things, all of this hope and trust that we've placed there, we have an obligation to transfer that into the hands of God. Not as a kind of of fatalism of, well, I guess nothing matters because Christ is king, Rather, on the other hand, because all of these things matter so much, Christ is King, and insofar as my meager vote can can affect some positive change for His kingdom here on this earth, then let's do that. But uh, uh, and let's vote. But we can't imagine. We can't pretend that somehow our vote or our political party is the means by which the prayer is answered, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I know that I've been guilty of that, and I can't be the only one who gets to the end of election day uh, on those years that my candidate loses and say, oh well, God's still on his throne as some means of trying to comfort myself rather than starting from that point and from that point saying God is still on his throne and all of these temporal powers are are fleeting. They're all going to fall. They're all going to to lose their, their sheen. But Christ is the king of the universe whose glory is without end, world without end, amen, Christ is the King, and in Him I place my hopes for the bringing of a just society. In Him I place my trust because I am a member of that heavenly kingdom. And so today we're going to spend our time focusing on that heavenly kingdom as we approach the solemnity of all saints, as we look to those people in our community who have gone before us, who have paved the way, who have shown us the way to live fully as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We're talking today with Sister Danielle Victoria Lucier, who is a daughter of St. Paul. We've had several of the Pauline sisters here on the show before, uh, and I'm sure if you're anywhere around uh, media of any sort, you've run into the daughters of St. Paul. Uh, they're known as the media nuns, colloquially, uh, and have their, their presence is all over Twitter, all over Catholic television. Find out more at daughtersofstpaul.com. Sister Danielle, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks so much for having me on. It's good to be here.
0: So, first of all, um, the, the Daughters of St. Paul are invested in spreading the gospel through modern media. And, of course, modern media has changed over the course of the time that you, that uh, that the order has been around. But you're always pursuing these these new avenues. For you, uh, you, you use illustration, beautiful artwork, and post that on on Instagram uh, at Danielle's Habit, where you can find you should follow her. You can go over there right now and take a look at the work that she's done, which will give you a taste of the artwork that is in this beautiful new book that I cannot wait to get my hands on. Uh, it, that was put up and and supported through kickstarter of all things. I wanted to talk a little bit to you about that process because the Daughters of St Paul have been a publishing house for a long time. Uh and this was a, a first where you have crowdsourced one of your books. Talk about the reasons for that uh and a little bit about this new book In Cello et Intera. Sure,
1: thanks. Yeah, you know, this is a crazy crazy time for everyone. And so we're just as much in solidarity with the rest of humanity at this moment um, as a community, as a family, and as a publishing company, really. So in the most practical way, we are hit just like everyone else. And so, you know, there's a couple different kinds of responses that anyone has (laughs) in that kind of circumstance. And panic is a part of that. But then there's also creativity, right, and leaning into the Lord. And you find a resourcefulness, no? I mean, um, in the midst of such circumstances, so um, when when we started to realize the kind of dramatic impact it was having, the pandemic was having on the fact that like our book centers were completely closed and ninety percent of our income wasn't coming in, and um, but we had this like major project that I had um, only come in on at the end. Our sisters have been working on Injelo and Tara for over ten years. <laughs> I came in the end and um, was asked to illustrate the book for us. So, um So while the pandemic hit, I was actually in the middle of illustrating the book and I had been kind of going back and forth. I was living in Manhattan. Um, Our our house is in Staten Island and our book center is in Manhattan. So I was illustrating the book actually mostly in transit because there's a period of time where you can just sit. It's like the only time in New York anyone rests is when you're on the ferry or on the subway. And I would actually be drawing during that time um, a lot of the time. And so like um, then the pandemic hit and it kind of created this window of opportunity for me to be able to draw more. But we had this major book coming through and we were really having to consider um, really cutting down what we were going to publish just to be prudent, you know, with um, being able to keep our employees on as long as possible and whatnot. So um, so we were all just praying, kind of giving it to the Lord during that time, responding to all those things. That- to be able to kind of be safe ourselves and healthy. And um, we discerned to keep this book and two other books on and on the docket for um, for publishing, which is a, a major, major, it's a 90% reduction of our production. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there was something about this book besides the fact that it was going to be beautiful and a, a volume on the lives of the saints. Um, it was completely produced from beginning to end by Daughters of St. Paul. And so for us, it, it like held this sort of, I don't know, this sense of like banding together and pulling together. It was really kind of like um, our, the original daughter of St. Paul, the first daughter of St. Paul to the United States, Mother Paula, um, she would, whenever a new book would be published, she would go to the microphone in the refectory. It's like the cafeteria with all the sisters. And she would announce that, you know, a new baby has been born the daughter <laughs> cheering and rejoicing and, and a time of praise, you know, just thanking God for the, the fruit of our hands and prayer and sacrifice. And so really this book has been born from the hands, like the consecrated hands of myself and my sisters through a time of sacrifice. And, um, and so, yeah, so this became um, one of the main books that we were going to publish, but it originally was produ- going to be produced as like a beauty piece Really, the emphasis on it was to show the integration of truth, beauty, and goodness. That um, beauty is the evidence of truth lived, which is goodness. And so, um, we wanted to, like, create a book that was worthy of the truth that it held, right? And so, these lives of the saints that, that just like in our church, you may go in and see, like, ornate buildings and, like, gold and people might sc- Really, is like the treasures of humanity given for all offered to god like it's made available to everyone um and it's 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 a place of beauty where your humanity when you come you get caught up into and so we wanted to create something like a cathedral for the saints of this collection of the lives of the saints
0: well and so often uh, as you look at even modern books just across the board the book has become a vessel of communication, and that's basically mm-hmm. all. Let me let me pass on some information. I'm going to craft my words just so. But we've become very utilitarian with our books. Where when you go and you pull out an old volume of anything, uh, you see the the care, and perhaps it's that whole idea of familiarity breeds contempt. We we have so many books now that we're like, oh, okay, well, you know, you print it on the cheap paper so we can sell it for cheaper, so we can get it out there. Uh, and you you get some of these older volumes and the care in the illustration and the the quality of the the um, the marbled paper or the the gold leaf on the edges or whatever else there might have been um, that that that's something that's very often lost in books today and uh, I know that that was one of the stretch goals for this kickstarter was for the second right. run to be able to gold leaf the edges and that that goal got met uh, and I'm really sad that that I'm not going to get one of of those, (laughs) but but that whole idea of let's do as much as we can to say that this is not just about the information. And specifically with this being on the lives of the saints, as you are uh, introducing maybe a whole host of saints, because there's 365 saints in this Mm -hmm. book, you're introducing a whole host of new saints to the family, the family of faith, so it would it would make sense and it is fitting that this would be a book that's more than just the transmission of information because this is the family album that that treasured thing that you pull out from time to time and look at the family members and share memories and say do you remember that time when uncle so and so did this thing or aunt you know this is what we have now from from our sisters the daughters of st paul bringing us that family album uh, that's not, you know. I'm a parent. I've got lots of little saint books here and there, um, but they're all uh, either very small, uh, only giving a little, uh, a few saints, or they're they're um, they're just not as as robust as as the communion of the saints is. So I, I'm really looking forward to this uh, as we introduce not only ourselves to, I'm sure, a whole bunch of saints we haven't known. But we have this thing now to bring our kids to and to point at the, at the beautiful illustrations and the pictures and to say, this is more than information. This is relationship. This is our family. This is the communion yes. of saints.
1: Yeah, you totally hit it. It's that relationship. You know, our, our really, he received that call um, as a seminarian with this n- night of light, you know, it's very pivotal for Paul that where he really received the whole charism kind of in a mystical experience, but it was also very simple. He read at the, at the tabernacle said, come to me, all of you. And he understood that in two ways. In one way it was like, come to me, all of you, like all of the masses, like bring them all to me. And also understood it as come to me with all of who you are. I want all of it. Like God is generous with us and he wants us to be generous with him. And like, and so that idea of we're called as Daughters of St. Paul to reach the masses, but that doesn't mean we need to mass produce in the sense of consumerism and the industrial age and how this is all, you know, like that there is a compromise in um, the quality because the content is so rich. It needs to have um, a beautiful uh, production this book has been really tapping into our roots as publishers and our sisters that, like, they've always held, the, they did the typesetting, they did the pagination themselves with their hands, and that idea that these hands were consecrated for this work, that it it's making holy the work itself, too. That there was a relationship with the material that was passed on when they handed it to the person. And so in a certain way, like, for us, to choose to do Kickstarter was all about that. It kind of pulled a lot of things together. Not only did it come out of our need, which is, like, built into the reality of the circumstances, but it also presented this awesome forum to reach people beyond our natural scope, like beyond just the very small Catholic Twitter sphere or something, you know, like, because there's a whole percentage of people who find you organically, even just through Kickstarter. And so it's a platform. And as Daughters of St. Paul, wherever we are, we're to consecrate that. uh, And for us, it's the digital continent. So it made sense for us to um, to use a platform that people understood and were well versed in, and that also might offer the opportunity to expose people to something beautiful that might attract them to come to get to know the lives of the saints.
0: Well, and you know, I saw n- numerous posts about this this book, and I saw the cover of it, and I just assumed it was a book that was already in production. I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it for like a couple of months, and then there was like a two weeks. Uh, span where it was all, everything was this book coming across all my different uh connections were posting about this and finally uh someone posted something that I realized oh this is a kickstarter I should go look at this um <laughs> and and then was just immediately taken with with what was behind it the whole the content of the book itself uh so much so that I ordered 10 uh because I'm thinking okay I've got I've got uh, some show supporters that support at a certain level. I want to make sure they're taken care of. I want a copy. I've got godchildren that need copies. And and uh, and then and that leaves me a couple of extra that I can entice some new show supporters to support the show over at um, uh, outsidetheballs.com slash, uh, you know, support the show link. You know, so, so I'm looking at this and, I, and, and really excited about it and watching you not only meet your goal, but exceed it to the first stretch goal and the second stretch goal and to a third stretch goal to where it just kept getting momentum and growing far beyond, uh, what was initially asked for. Was that something that y'all were hoping to do from the beginning or was that kind of a surprise when it caught so much uh, momentum?
1: You know, um, We had, of course, we had hoped, (laughs) you know, um, but yeah, we were we were so overwhelmed actually just by the groundswell that happened online and just the sharing of relationship that came out of the woodwork to uh, to promote um, the Kickstarter and then just the comments heard along the way um, just created an opportunity for uh, a lot of interaction of our sisters with people maybe that we normally hadn't had the opportunity or a reason to be interacting with online and um, a lot of people sharing stories of uh, other experiences they've had with our sisters and their appreciation. So that was really beautiful to get to hear and to share with our sisters um, across our province. Um, Just people's love for our mission and our charism and for maybe just different relationships that they have with sisters online. So it pulled like this um, whole base of friends online together and that, that was just like a neat rally cry <laughs> and then people were getting behind you know getting others to to help us meet our, our stretch and stretch stretch goals so yeah that was we were there was lots of rejoicing on our end <laughs> like lots of cheering in the halls our senior sisters were praying and every day kind of like I' am praying for chelo <laughs> and for the people supporting it so, it's just, yeah, it it was really, it was really beautiful, really encouraging.
0: So now I I guess the the last question along these lines is now that you have experienced that community and the success of Kickstarter, let's say a a year down the road, all of the, the, the trouble of the pandemic is behind us and, and largely forgotten. Things are back to normal. We're back to our, uh, our basic way of interacting with the world. Do you think that when it's not a necessity, you'll still go back to Kickstarter or that kind of crowdsourced material.
1: You know, actually, what's what's so neat is that our provincial government has, um, we, we've been kind of going through a redesign, even pre-pandemic uh, and everything, really looking at and listening deeply to the Holy Spirit calling us. Into um, serving in the digital sphere. And so our provincial government had already begun to invest in, in organizing um, the com- our, uh, our publishing house and our efforts around really harnessing relationships online and investing as we see this in natural migration where people aren't maybe spending so much time in bookstores and they more are more online, and that there will always need that human interaction. Mm-hmm. We always, that's, that's sacramental, that's rooted. Um, in who we are as humans, right? Um, but we, there, we need to reach people where they're at and they are online and we need to be going to the peripheries of, of the digital continent. So already our, um, our leadership had been perceiving that and discerning that and, and kind of looking at how the Lord is asking us to reorganize and redesign. And so um, Kickstarter, the, the, first installment of a larger project that is coming which is really exciting and um, it's actually coming pretty soon and we'll be able to share more about that Um, but it's uh, I think I can share the title of it. Well I'll
0: tell you (laughs) I'll I'll make it a little bit easier I did see on the social media page of the Daughters of St. Paul that something was going on between the Daughters and the Word on Fire Institute. Would this be the thing you're talking about?
1: Well, actually, it's a portion of it. <laughs> so, yes, this huge, this, that was just such a grace and such a gift that um, this beautiful book came across our path um, called Brilliant Incorporating, really looking at uh, like Catholic scientists and mathematicians and really smart people and, and answering that question of, that young people have about um, faith and, and reason, right, and faith and science, Partnered with Board on Fire to be able to produce book, and so that is hopefully the first of, of a longer partnership um, and relationship that will unfold, and that's a part of the efforts that we're really hoping to um, to invest in and look more into at this next this next project, and um, it's it's actually our our next, I don't know how much I could share around it because <laughs> we just got from a meeting. So, and, but it's coming out in the, in the coming week, we have an announcement of a new, um, endeavor that will, uh, is really around producing media, making a commitment to creating beautiful media along with the beautiful books that, um, not only are we creating things for you to hold in your hand and to share for generations, but also, um, creating content online that will continue to enrich those same ideas that are carried through our books and and really it's that human to you know the contact um that we have online that's so so rich and we want to make a real invested investment in that so yeah that's really that's really exciting so we'll be excited to maybe share in the future more on that.
0: <laughs> We're talking today with Sister Danielle Victoria Lucier, who is a daughter of St. Paul. You can find out more about their work at pauline.org, or if you're interested in who they are as sisters, uh, or maybe interested in discerning a vocation yourself, you can go to of saint Paul.com and that project she was talking about has since been announced since I first had this conversation with her you can find out more information about that project at thedaughtersproject.com it's super exciting you're going to want to go and take a look uh, and while you're out there wandering around why don't you come over and join us on social media for a conversation facebook.com slash step outside the walls on twitter the handles at outside the walls come talk to me about a saint that you you are particularly close to tell me a little bit about how that came about don't go anywhere because there's much more to come right after this break as we continue our conversation unpacking this relationship we have with the saints talking about this new book you're listening to outside the walls with tl putnam Back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L., and uh, of course, we are tomorrow going to be celebrating the Feast of All Saints. I had this wonderful conversation with Sister Danielle Victoria Lussier, daughter of St. Paul, back on the feast day of, uh, of... Saint Pope John Paul II. So we're we're living the life of the saints right now as we are getting ready to celebrate this beautiful day in the church here, where we recognize not just the canonized saints, which you are going to get 365 uh, biographies and beautiful illustrations and much more in this new Pauline book. in cello at intera which is going to be available on pauline.org you can get it at uh, the the pauline bookstore there online Um, or if you have one in your area and you want to pop into one of the daughters of saint paul stores uh, well please do that because there's nothing more delightful than sitting and having a conversation uh, with the daughters of saint paul sister danielle victoria thank you so much for being with us today
1: yeah thanks so much for having me
0: so I want to do a couple of things here. Um, in the last segment, we talked a little bit about how the um, how this book is kind of the family volume, the, the the picture book that you go back and you tell stories and you reminisce and you see uh, that the family album of this communion of saints, the 365 saints that are listed here. I have a couple of questions. One. Um, How did y'all compile which saints to put in? Because obviously we have a huge number of saints in our family. Uh, Two, uh, give me your maybe top three favorite, either because of the illustrations or because of the stories of their life that are in the book. And then lastly, I want to just kind of spend some time looking at the place of the communion of saints and how we interact with the saints uh, and how they affect our lives as Catholics and so starting way back at the very beginning, how, how did this list of 365 come together? So
1: the original editor on the book, Sister Sean, she really had this idea of um, not creating an encyclopedia of saints, um, but creating something that would expose you to new saints that maybe you hadn't encountered and maybe new friends right along the journey. And, and the emphasis really was around showing that the saints are people just like you and I. They live regular lives. And also, I mean, we've been so blessed, especially with St. John Paul too, as he say. Um, he canonized so many, so many across, so many saint, men and women, laity, consecrated priests, um, and and single people like we have and across the world. So he really in, in all of the saints that he um, introduced to the church during his time really show this universality. So there's a lot of blesseds in this book. Um, it does have at the back of it like an index of all the saints of their feast days and then where where we have the saints on other feast days. So it's like you can kind of sort through it all. But the desire was to have all these new saints that maybe people are not really being exposed to. Plus like your faves.
0: Right. So I've, I've got a, a big audience in Oklahoma. So I have to ask the question, uh, how recently these saints were and whether or not blessed Stanley Rother or uh, blessed Solanus Casey made, made the cut.
1: They both did. And they're two of my favorites. Actually, they are two of my favorites because oh, I really actually really enjoyed the um, drawing Father Stanley Rother, there. Oh my goodness. Cause I took actually three of my favorite photographs of him and kind of composited <laughs> them and then drew from the, those photographs. And it was my favorite to be able to draw from actual photos mm-hmm. because there, you felt like you really got to see into someone's soul. You yeah. know, it wasn't a rendition or someone else's understanding or thoughts or whatever around a person. You really just got to see them as they are. And um, I just, I love that image of him. He's holding uh, a, a book and he has that, uh, stole the colorful stole yeah. on it. It's so gorgeous. And then there was another image where he's sitting under a canopy and he just has the most gentle smile and I wanted that smile. So I took that, that part of his head for that. <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and I just put them together all of his best days, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and so actually that's one of my favorites.
0: So before, that's- Before I was, uh, before I was Catholic, um, I worked in, in the Methodist church and I, I took a mission trip. We went down to Guatemala and uh, I had seen those colorful stoles all over the place. I was thinking about becoming a deacon myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pick up one of these colorful stoles. Uh, so I did, and I had it just kind of sitting in a closet for the longest time. Uh, and, um, then of course he was, he was beatified. And we, we, I was in Oklahoma at the time. We had uh, some of the first class relics from Blessed Stanley Rother come uh, and we had access to venerate them and and had one in our, in our parish there. And so I took that stole and I I took it to that relic and prayed and asked and um, made that stole into a third class relic. Uh, okay, which we have okay. a whole episode on relics that you can go listen to in the archives, uh, but I made this uh, into a relic and then I gave it to one of my friends who is actually in candidacy for diaconate. So now he has this this stole that he's able to wear that is a relic, third class relic of Blessed Stanley Rother, there in in the uh, the diocese of Tulsa in eastern Oklahoma. So that is
1: so cool.
0: And these is- little things that that we find connection to the saints um, that. That is like passing on an heirloom. That is like being connected in a very real way to these members of our family. Some of them will, you know, we're disconnected from. I've never been to the monastery where Father Solanus Casey was, the friary there. Um, But I have a connection to him. But it's a different connection than Blessed Stanley Rother, in whose whose backyard I was privileged to live for a very long time.
1: Yeah, it's so true. Those bonds that we make— are real and God honors them. Relationship is at the core of of our faith and of what it makes us human and and human in relationship with God who wants to be in relationship with us. Right? So like these material things represent an immaterial reality and the, the stronger we allow those bonds to take hold on our hearts, the more they call us to what they represent and their holiness and, and goodness of life and, and, and really isn't it their integration of life that they live, that we can see that alongside these, this virtue Live their humanity, and actually, that's something within um, the book that I really tried to allow to come forward, and that even sometimes I kind of maybe emphasized a little bit by like allowing the hair of like Therese to fly a little bit more wild in (laughs) in the in the breeze, or um, or Kateri the same, like that she's kind of kissed by the wind, you know, and. And Father Stanley Rother, the same for him. He had he had a little scruff going on in his in his beard and in his hair. I really enjoyed doing beards. I am like a a beard expert now. In terms <laughs> of, I can draw all kinds of beards, <laughs> and a lot of blesseds and saints have beards. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so it like being able to show some of that humanity or like a collar untucked they're just by simple little things. Um, to show that God uses the stuff of our life and our humanity to make us holy. He yeah. doesn't, like, take some things outside of who we are. He uses who we are because he made us good, mm-hmm. you know, and and he builds on that.
0: We're talking with Sister Danielle Victoria of the Daughters of St. Paul about this new book, and uh, Terra, which is 365 Saints, this family album. But it's not just, as we mentioned earlier, it's not just um, – information about the saints. It's an introduction. It's, it's this beautifully illustrated, uh, the, the I was going to say photos, but could, because in, in many ways they're, they're very realistic, uh, lovely illustrations of the saints. You mentioned that you came in toward the end of the project. Uh, it's been going on for about 10 years. Um, and they said, uh, Hey, here you go. Draw these people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from from a uh, secondhand experience, my wife draws uh, the patron saints of our children that that we have here around the house. Uh, and, oh,
1: that's awesome!
0: And from her, one of the things that I've I've seen is that the act of drawing the saint becomes in itself a prayer uh, and a connection and an introduction and a um, relationship intimacy builder with that saint that it's not just oh well let me imagine and draw a picture and here's a generic saint it's in many ways a conversation with that saint and a prayer so talk to me a little bit about um getting handed this list and uh, here draw all these saints how many did you have to draw are are all 365 (laughs) drawn out and then maybe a relationship that kind of surprised you in that process of drawing
1: Sure. You know, actually, um, it's neat that you you ask about that, because the whole beginning of I I actually am not trained in illustration or drawing at all. My background is in photography and film, actually. But I found I was having kind of a hard year um, last year and a half ago. Just life, you know, just we were really busy. There's a lot going on all pre covid. And just I was having a hard time staying in prayer, like just really being able to be present when I would read something or whatever, it just kind of felt rote. And I just, I felt inspired to begin drawing. And so I chose to start with a saint that was close to me. And I was like, oh, well, I want to think about holy things. So I'll draw something holy. And so I picked St. Um, Andre Bisset because he's, he's a saint that I love and is close to my family. And so I started drawing these saints and holy things. And it just actually really helped me, um, not only just like stay in in the moment of prayer, of just being before the Lord, but it helped me connect and bring in my humanity into my prayer. And so this kind of was something that was coming up in my prayer life and sisters were starting to notice it um, as I would be drawing and make comments. And it was from that actually that they invited me to continue that experience of what I was connecting with through prayer and drawing to put it towards a book. And they understood that that would be um, a big endeavor because it's 365 <laughs> saints. And I have to tell you, this started on October 1st of last year. So it was, it, it was a year. Um, yeah. Pretty quick. Of, of doing it. it was very quick. <laughs> and so I, I I mapped out a schedule and I was like drawing several saints a day, really actually. Um, but Honestly, from the very beginning, it was a work of the Holy Spirit where I just really felt like, um, yes, it was, it was an opportunity for me to, to get to know the Lord through the lens of these saints, through the lens of these people and their lives and how he works so specifically and uniquely in each one of our lives with who we are and that we're so intentionally made, you know, and, um, and that God wants us to bring our humanity to him, you know, and the people of our day and the times that we're living in, you know, like, and that he's speaking to us through those things. So for me, it was it was a, um, a movement of prayer from the very beginning that even kind of called me into drawing at all. But then, um, but even as I, I drew and, and things were crazy through uh, the pandemic and things, I just really felt sustained through that um through through prayer and through drawing that just the Lord was really uh, meeting me in that and talking mm-hmm. to me about my own humanity and um, and how he works through so sacramentally through the stuff of our life
0: well and, and specifically here where you're getting is is um, something that I think is really key to this conversation. not everyone's going to be able to draw or sit down and do that kind of of meditation and prayer, but, one of the things that I'm really excited about with this book is to pick it up and to pray with it because in meditating on the lives of the saints, we see things about ourselves that we would miss or not pay attention to if it was about us. It gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to say, see, this is the area I want you to grow or see, this is how they handled that thing that, that is stressing you out or see the, the faith that they had in the midst of trial. And mm-hmm. it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to point a, a mirror at our humanity and say, this part of your humanity can be like this saint who you're spending time with. And so often I think we we I, I know people who, and I'm not going to put this on a, other uh, on everyone listening, but I, I know uh, some of my Protestant friends who are just really kind of confused about the role of saints and why would we pray to saints and what's, well, you know, what pray just to Jesus. And, and I I get this, but we have this relationship with the saints who are interceding for us along with us. We pray to the father, they pray to the father. It's, we're, we're uh, it's cumulative interest. Right. Um, But there's also something that we gain by spending time with them as saints in our own spiritual walk. We grow because of our connection to the saints
1: And I think it calls something out in us that um, is both, like, familiar, like, identifying with the fact that, like, uh, for example, one of my favorite saints from the book is Blessed um, Benedict Daswa, who I didn't know about before. He grew up in South Africa and was a father of eight children. He originally um, grew up Jewish, but then converted at age 17. And was really like a local leader and stood up against, um, you know, there were some storms and it destroyed some property and some houses. And so then there was a witch uh, identified in in the tribe. And he, as a local leader, was to, um, they would then, you know, have that person um, executed and he wouldn't allow them to do that. And so he stood up against this mob of people and eventually he was driving down the road and, um, there were some trees cast across the, the driveway at, where, where he couldn't get through and he got out and he was attacked by this mob and, and mm-hmm. murdered. He was a, a simple man. He was a simple f- father. He loved his family. He sought to do good for others. And he stood for just the truth. He wasn't going to execute this person on this mm-hmm. premise because of his beliefs and values. And that that caused him to... I mean, like that brought him into a heroic act. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that he was just being good. He was just doing something according to his values and loving his family. And he looks like anybody you might know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean, um, and so like that, that was really beautiful. That really connected for me.
0: The book is in cello at It's available, uh, from the daughters of St. Paul going to be uh, coming up this month here in November. Uh, You can find it by going to pauline.org. We've been talking again with Sister Danielle Victoria uh, FSP. uh, Sister, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: If you missed any part of my conversation with Sister Danielle, or you just want to go back and listen again or share with your friends, have no fear, all of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. One of the things I like to do around any big solemnity when we have uh, one of these roll around on our calendar is go back through the archives and look and see what we've talked about before. And there's some really good conversations surrounding the communion of saints and all saints in general and all souls as well. If you go back through the archives, sometimes you have to go back into October because it's just the one right before all saints, but there are some great conversations back there to revisit. There's also an extra segment with today's guest, Sister Danielle, available to all those who support the show through Patreon. Our Patreon support community helps ensure that we're able to continue the work of bringing you this show week in and week out. So while you're on OutsideTheWalls.com, up in the top right-hand corner of the page, you'll see a link that says support the show hyphen Patreon. Go there and look at the different possibilities available to you, as well as some of the free extra segments that are up for your perusal. Now, let's go ahead and turn our attention to our readings from scripture and church history. That's the sound of our Verbum Library launching up, and it is new and shiny. There's a brand new release that came out earlier this week. Uh, And so go take a look at verbum.com. You can get your free trial for 30 days and join me in reading scriptures through the eyes of the church. We're going to start today in Matthew 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. It's the Beatitudes. It's also the gospel that's given to us for the solemnity of all saints. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward will be great in heaven. That reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter five, right there in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a challenging scripture. It's it's comforting, but it's also challenging because we we look at it and recognize how far short we fall of this. But this is uh, this is the reminder of what really matters. This is the thing that we should aspire to. It's it's our our constitution and our charter uh, as the kingdom of heaven right this is our citizenship papers and as we read the lives of the saints we see all of these things played out before our eyes right they are now truly blessed they're they're experiencing the beatific vision and we see in their earthly lives all of these things played out so that we can't say well I didn't know how to pull that off i I couldn't really, I didn't have a concept of what that looked like. Well, yes, we do because of the lives of the saints. Now, I remember when I was working back in parish ministry, when I first got to this parish, I walked in and the first night of religious education, I went and I was talking, I think, to the fifth and sixth graders. And I said, tell me about your favorite saint. And they just kind of stared at me and it got uncomfortably silent for a while. Like I said, well, tell me about, any saint, and and it stayed very uncomfortable. And I'm like, what's the name of the parish? I'm like Saint Michael? Yeah, okay, that's a saint. We got one. We're good. All right. Uh, is there? Did anybody got another one? And uh, I think maybe we eked out Saint Mary. And there was just not a whole lot of uh, of clamoring to talk about the saints. If if you find yourself there and you're like, I want to know about the saints, uh, I I um, I might be able to pull a few names out. Then. Then back to the, the conversation we had earlier. Uh, you need to pick up this book, *In Cello Ed uh, and and pull out this family album and come to know uh, these saints. Partly because these are the this is the Church Triumphant that is praying for us, but also partly because they show us the way to the Kingdom of Heaven. Their lives are laid out before us as a roadmap of what it means to live out the Beatitudes. With that in mind, let's turn our attention now to our reading from Church History as we read from the Office of Readings Out of All Saints, a sermon from St. Bernard. Why should our praise and glorification, or even the celebration of this feast day, mean anything to the saints? What do they care about earthly honors when their Heavenly Father honors them by fulfilling the faithful promise of the Son? What does our commemoration mean to them? The saints have no need of honor from us. Neither does our devotion add the slightest thing to what is theirs. Clearly, if we venerate their memory, it serves us, not them. But I tell you, when I think of them, I feel myself inflamed by a tremendous yearning calling the saints to mind inspires, or rather arouses in us, above all else, a longing to enjoy their company, so desirable in itself. We long to share in the citizenship of heaven, to dwell with the spirits of the blessed, to join the assembly of the patriarchs, the ranks of the prophets, the council of the apostles, the great host of martyrs, the noble company of confessors, the choir of virgins. In short, we long to be united in happiness with all the saints. But our dispositions change. The church of all the first followers of Christ awaits us, but we do nothing about it. The saints want us to be with them, and we are indifferent. The souls of the just await us, and we ignore them. Come, brothers, let us at length spur ourselves on. We must rise again with Christ. We must seek the world which is above and set our minds on the things of heaven. Let us long for those who are longing for us, hasten to those who are waiting for us, and ask those who look for our coming to intercede for us. We should not only want to be with the saints, we should also hope to possess their happiness." While we desire to be in their company, we must also earnestly seek to share in their glory. Do not imagine that there is anything harmful in such ambition. There is no danger in setting our hearts on such glory. When we commemorate the saints, we are inflamed with another yearning, that Christ our life may also appear to us as he appeared to them, and that we may one day share in his glory. Until then, we see him not as he is, but as he became for our sake. He is our head, crowned not with glory, but with the thorns of our sins. As members of that head, crowned with thorns, we should be ashamed to live in luxury. His purple robes are a mockery rather than an honor. When Christ comes again, his death shall no longer be proclaimed, and we shall know that we also have died and that our life is hidden with him. The glorious head of the church will appear, and his glorified members will shine in splendor with him when he forms this lowly body anew into such glory as belongs to himself its head. Therefore, We should aim at attaining this glory with a wholehearted and prudent desire that we may rightly hope and strive for such blessedness. We must, above all, seek the prayers of the saints. Thus, what is beyond our own powers to obtain will be granted through their intercession. That reading comes from a sermon by St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and one of the things he does in there is he brings in hints of this beautiful and ancient prayer, the today, and I want to offer that prayer together as the close of our show. You are God. We praise you. You are the Lord. We acclaim you. You are the eternal father. All creation worships you. You are true and only Son, worthy of all worship, and the Holy Spirit, advocate and guide. You, Christ, are the King of glory, the eternal Son of the Father. When you became man to set us free, you did not spurn the virgin's womb. You overcame the sting of death and opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. You are seated at the right hand in glory, and we believe you will come and be our judge. Come then, Lord, and help your people bought with the price of your own blood and bring us with your saints to glory everlasting. That's all the time we have today. Today's show is brought to you by Christopher Robin Webster and all those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click that Patreon link. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.